Hi, I'm Raylene Taskowski, and I've talked to over 10,000 women about sex over the past decade. Welcome to the Stand Up Comedy Sex Ed podcast. Welcome to Stand Up Comedy Sex Ed. It's where you can get questions answered like... How long does it take the average man to orgasm? And... How long does it take the average woman to orgasm? And also... Why is it so hot in here? Audiences agree. It's brilliantly funny. Raylene makes sex ed fun. This show is entertaining, factual, and relatable. There's nothing worse than being halfway done with sex and feeling your vagina shut down on you. (laughs) You've got to see stand-up comedy sex ed. I am ready to go do that comedy show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Stand Up Comedy Sex Ed Podcast, hosted by Raylene Taskowski and some other guy-girl guest or guru. And today's guest girl uh, is Ashley Robinson, Robertson. Ashley Robertson, I will edit that. (laughs) If you want to just start over, that's fine too. I'm cool with that. All right. (laughs) Or I won't edit it and everybody can just laugh at me for being foolish. Yeah. So um, I put out a call on Facebook and said, who wants to talk about sex? And somebody tagged you. So why did they tag you? They tagged me because I am the weirdo in the super conservative state of Indiana who is doing comprehensive sex ed and uh, doing so privately because all the public options are a big fat no. Oh, well, see, I always think of Indiana as pretty wide open sex-wise, because don't you have the Kinsey Institute and the University of Indiana? Yes, that is true. So, uh, <laughs> that's the only knowledge I have of sex in Indiana. It's the Kinsey Institute, so. <laughs> uh, Mike Pence is from Indiana. Oh, yeah, okay, now I can say, I see. And so that is pretty much the m- best example I have of how education happens when it comes to sex here in Indiana. Uh, yeah, so I'm trying to change that really, really hard. <laughs> yeah. So what are you doing? What are you doing? I have been trained to facilitate the Our Whole Lives curriculum. And it is a curriculum that's based out of the Unitarian Universalist uh, religion. And uh, it's designed to be comprehensive so that there's no binaries, there's no fear-based education, there's no shame-based education, um, and it's open to the reality that we as humans are sexual beings from the time we're born till the time we die. Uh, And I'm trying to facilitate parent education and preschool education and younger elementary education all the way up through high school uh, for whoever will hire me. That's fantastic. That's... um... One of the things I've got uh, two talks now, they're mostly uh, towards adults. One of them is my Let's Talk About Sex, the value of open, honest discussions about women's sexual health, which I do for women's sex, not women's sex groups. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know if those exist, but um, I do them uh, for women's networking groups. And then I have my stand-up comedy sex ed show which is a stage show that basically is a combination of sex education comedy and an adult novelty um that's amazing because i i just like it to you know the more conversation people have yes the the less taboo it's going to be and the more information that can be properly shared yeah because what what's out there is not good Um, no no and, and i mean how many people have you ever heard talk about menopause well, not too many, but as I'm getting older, <laughs> it's, so. I, 
it's necessary. We need to be talking about all of these issues that that all people face when it comes to sexuality. Yeah, I cover that one in both in both of the shows. Uh, and it's on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube and you look up Raylene Taskowski menopause, there's a nice little five minute bit on just menopause. Awesome. Because I had to, because I'm going through it and it's hysterical and also very <laughs> tragic. Uh, but I'm working on a college talk now too. And I want to keep it funny and fun and educational and inclusive. Uh, and I'm capable of doing all those things, but my natural inclination being a little bit older and only having ever been in heterosexual relationships tends to leave some people out of the conversation, which I don't want to do. But I do want the conversation to happen. So that's why I'm here today, because I'm here to talk about polyamory, which is something that is very new and something that um, many people don't even realize is like exclusive when they say, are you married or who's your partner or who's your spouse? Because that's singular, right? Right. So more into like throuples. <laughs> yeah. Or, or polycules or um, expanding your language to say, who are your loves? Um, okay. Those kind of things so that it's open-ended in a plural sort of way. I actually do know someone and I probably mo know more than one someone, but I do know one who is very open about their polyamorous relationship. Um, she said that, you know, she had a husband that she loved and took care of her, but then she also had uh, a husband that satisfied her sexual needs. And I was like, yes. cool. Yes. That's one, one variety. There are many. <laughs> well, share. I think my favorite my favorite resource to share when it comes to polyamory is a Venn diagram. And it is like the messiest Venn diagram that I've ever seen, but it outlines um, all the different varieties and the way that they can overlap because polyamory is just one version of open relationships or non-monogamy. Um, there's, it's so like the big umbrella is non-monogamy. And then underneath that umbrella, there's polyamory, which um, is defined in different ways. There's open, there's swinging, there's cheating, there's, <laughs> you know, like there's ethical non-monogamy, there's polygamy, there's polyandry. Um, so there's just so many different varieties of non-monogamy uh, that many people, you have to ask them, like, what does that word mean to you mm -hmm. when they say I'm non-monogamous? Okay, you're non-monogamous what form, what flavor. <laughs> um, yeah. And then within, within there, the, it just becomes all the flavors, Ben and Jerry, all, all of them. Just weird, um, I just remembered somebody else who's got that same, that that's where, that's what they do. Non-monogamous, but they have a partner and then they're open to other partners. Yeah. So some non-monogamous people uh, seek relationships, that are not emotionally attached. So they're not looking to fall in love with anyone else except maybe a primary partner, but they are looking for sexual gratification with others. Um, some people call that non-monogamous and polyamory where you're actually seeking love, me meaning many loves polyamorous. Right. Um, so some people make that delineation um, and other people don't. They're like, well, we're just non-monogamous, but if you fall in love, you fall in love. Cool. Uh, yeah, there's, there's just so many varieties. Um, some people are full on 
we don't want society's rules or expectations about how relationships should look, so we are relationship anarchists. We want to define everything for ourselves and anything society says is bunk. And then other people are very hierarchical in their polyamory relationships. Um, there's a primary, that person may live with them or be married to them, and their extended families are intertwined, and so you'll be seeing them share holidays together like a traditional setting, and then they will also have secondary and tertiary partners. Um, so it's very hierarchical in terms of how much attention or how much time the extras get from them. Uh, there's solo polyamory where you see yourself as an entity all on your own. You're not interested in cohabitating or marriage or life partnership, but you are interested in robust, full relationships with multiple people. Okay. There's lots of different varieties. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. Mind blown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, mostly, I feel like the coolest part about polyamory is this um, rejection of the idea of the relationship escalator. And it's something that many people don't know have a name. And uh, I like to name it because especially with our high schoolers within the sex ed curriculum, when you can name it, this is the relationship escalator. What are the steps that the rest of society wants you to follow? What are the steps that are in all the rom-coms? Like, what are you supposed to do? They can name it off and rattle it off. Okay, I'm supposed to catch someone's eye. Then I'm supposed to flirt. Then I'm supposed to give them my number or give them, you know, my handle. Then I'm supposed to um, date. And then, it, you know, and it just keeps going on. Then we're supposed to uh, get married. Then we're supposed to have kids and, or get married, move in together, have kids, you know, like, this thing that is the relationship escalator. And what I love about polyamory is that it says all of that is a social construct. All of that should be a conscious decision. It should not be something that is unconsciously forced on anyone. And if I choose not to want one of those steps like kids, if I choose not to want one of those steps like cohabitating, if I choose not to want one of those steps like, hey, maybe I don't date someone before I have sex with them. Maybe we just have sex. Those are choices. Right. And then everyone has to um, determine their risk profile and be good communicators and know what they desire and be willing to advocate for themselves. And then within that construct, they can make whatever choices they want. They don't right. have to follow the relationship escalator. That makes sense. But they should also know there will be pushback if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And what I love about the uh, polyamory community is that it's a new concept, very similar to like at the beginning of the LGBTQ um, history. There's a lot of pushback there too. Um, and it and the, the polyamory community is starting to gain some strength and momentum within the community to say, I'll be here for you. Right. That's cool. I was um, interviewed on a podcast a couple of weeks ago and actually on more than one because they always ask the same question, like, what is the strangest thing that you've ever come across in my line of work and or the thing that shocks you the most? And I and I told them, I said, you would be shocked how many people are in um, uh, swingers. 
that are yeah. in, yeah, you would be, you'd be shocked. You would be absolutely flabbergasted if you knew how many people you know are swingers. Yep. <laughs> and that's and, part of, that's part of the, the sad thing about polyamory is that it's so new that people are fired from jobs when, when this is found out or um, there's persecution when this is found out. And so people do keep it very secretive and we're mammal humans and very few mammal humans stay partnered with their one and only for an entire mate lifetime. Um, and so it's psychologically hard to expect that humans would do that. Um, so if you look through the history of how did we come about to this single, single monogamous partnership, uh, there's a lot of influence from the church and from the government as a means of keeping humans safe, um, keeping STIs from happening. Um, but we're not in that same peasant type space anymore. We are um, liberated, educated humans who can have responsible relationships and make responsible choices about um, having regular STI tests done and sharing those results in a shameless way with our partners so that everyone can make informed decisions. Um, right. So it's, yes, there are so many swingers that you will so not many. find out about. <laughs> no, but tell people that you've got a comedy podcast about sex and they will tell you. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Or sell sex toys for 13 years, and they will tell you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Isn't it cool being a safe space for other people? I love yes, that. Yes, that is probably my favorite part of it. That is the core of my let's talk about sex talk, is that the, the, the day that I realized that what I was doing was not just fun and funny and educational, it was giving people someone they could talk to where they could feel safe telling me their things or, or asking me questions and knowing that I was going to take it seriously, even though I did everything funny. And I, re I remember the day it's the first talk in my talk. It's the first story I talk about that. It still gives me chills that, you know, I realized that this woman had nobody else to tell this to, and she needed to tell somebody and it was me. And yeah. so that's why this conversation is so very important to me three, um, twice this week, I've gotten feedback from, um, one was from a webinar I went on and one was from a podcast that I went on where somebody was interviewing me and it was one of their very shy about sex friends reached out to them and said, yeah, I listened to the whole thing. And that was so cool when she said this, and what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? And I'm like, boom, conversation opened. That's the point. Yes. That That's is the, the point. point. Yes. Just being able to talk about it. And there's should be no shame. There's going to be, you know, like you said, the uh, social constructs. Like now uh, I recently heard that virginity is a social construct and I'm just like, ah, you know, like the, the old lady in me, the one who's, you know, a mom and has been a woman my whole life and has never been with anybody but men. It's like, but it's not. But then the other part of me is like, of course it is. Cause you can not be a virgin. I, oh my God, the, I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not blaming the Mormons for this, but I am there the, the girls are doing anal and still, and thinking they're virgins. And I'm like, <laughs> yep. you had sex. Okay. You didn't, you didn't bust your hymen, but you had sex. You and know the song, fuck me in the ass because I love Jesus. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I think about it. 
<laughs> There's this whole thing. It's so funny. No, that's, I would like to, I'm going to look that up later though. But it's just, it's like, I had a, I had a girl one time at a party and she's like, Oh, I have that toy. And I have this 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 toy. And you know, these are big toys. It, so obviously the hymen no longer exists in this situation. Cause there's no way you're getting some of these inside of you. If you've got that little piece of rubber band. Right. And then, and then she said she was a virgin. And, and I was, well, what I said was you are going to be very disappointed young lady. <laughs> They don't spin. They don't whistle. They don't. They don't have no any. Vibrate. No vibration. No. Um, but then you know there is a difference between making love and just having sex. So I, I'm fully aware that you know when you're with a partner and you're sharing each other's space and each other's bodies and each other's breaths is completely different than just having a damn orgasm. Yes. Which is yes. Sometimes just what we need. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. So that's, I mean, I, and the more I talk about this and the more I'm learning, I've probably learned more in the 13 weeks since I started this podcast. And I have, you know, in the 13, no, not in the 13. No, <laughs> I guess 13 is the number for me, but I've been, you know, selling sex toys for 13 years. I learned a ton. Um, I started speaking. I learned a little bit more. I started my podcast. I'm learning more. Um, yeah. I think it really, really forces us to be constant learners when we are the spearhead of something. Just today, I learned that the polyamorous community should not be using the word poly as a, an abbreviation for their status, because poly is actually an abbreviation for a Polynesian. So oh. that is that is a, a word that has been, I can't remember the word, it's a word that's been appropriated inappropriately. And um, to and marginalizes a a natural group of humans. So um, just today, I was like, "Oh, well, I'm not gonna call myself that anymore," and it yeah. forces us to be the example, the learners. Or people could learn to share things because you know Domino's Pizza and Domino's Sugar fought about it, but they had to share the name. <laughs> Sharing what? Yeah. <laughs> Because I'm thinking if somebody looks at you and you said I'm Polly, there's zero chance anybody's going to think you mean Polynesian. True. I'm very white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there's, that's, that's the other, that, I mean, that's just a side conversation, but we could learn to just share. We could. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's, oh yeah, the Lady A conversation. I don't want to get into that one, but oh, why couldn't they just share? Yes, that was shocker, shocker for me. Mm -hmm. Me too. And then the the viciousness at which both sides went at each other all of a sudden was just like, whoa, there. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. just share it. You both knew each other existed for the longest time. Calm the fuck down. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh. So, but that's why we have these that, conversations. We can talk about communication. Yes. Because <laughs> with polyamory. Communication is the pinnacle. Uh, one of the like jokes that the polyamory world shares is that you tell someone that you're not monogamous and all of a sudden they're like, oh, you must get laid all the time. <laughs> and you tell someone who is also non-monogamous that you are non-monogamous and they're like, oh, you must have to talk all the time. <laughs> Because that is, that is the truth of it. Um, it's like two-thirds talking, one-third fucking, um, if not more. If not like three-fourths talking, one-fourth fucking. So 
for anyone interested in this lifestyle, this relationship style, uh, you have to be very, very intentional, very clear communicators about needs and wants and boundaries, um, because that is how this is going to work or not. And that doesn't mean if you're a dude, you can't just have sex with a girl and be like, I'm not in for this for a relationship. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Also, please stop asking, was it good for you? Uh, <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Don't do it. <laughs> and uh, and here are some other alternatives. If you would like some other alternatives, instead you could say, what was your favorite part? What would you like improved or changed? There you go. That's, a, <laughs> Don't that's say, fantastic. Uh, yeah, no, we had a, I did one with the college girls and after, you know, the guys, well, first of all, they don't believe for a second that the guys give a crap whether they enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, they're like, you know, what do you say when they say it was a good? And I'm like, did you orgasm? And they're like, no. And I'm like, then tell them no. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like, and, and I'm trying to convince college girls Mostly the girls that I'm talking to are my daughter and her friends. So, um, you know, I, it's like your number one goal when you're having sex with somebody is to enjoy yourself first. Otherwise, what do you need them for? You just do it yourself. And um, my new favorite quote, and I'll probably get a t-shirt made that says this. No, I won't. Is uh, you are not just a receptacle for his penis dump. Like you yeah. are part of this experience. You need to vocalize what you need out of it. And yes. that's very important, but they're all afraid to. Oh, geez. Yeah, don't, don't be afraid to do that. No. Um, I'm guessing you're probably not in the polyamorous community if you are going to just not say anything, right? Or uh, what's step one? How does somebody get into polyamory? Or step any of the levels that you mentioned. Okay, so step <laughs> Where's one. that relationship escalator? <laughs> <laughs> so step one would be deciding that you are ethically okay with sharing your sexual self, your sexual energy with more than one person. Um, there is a lot of uh, religious deconstruction that most people have to do when they mm -hmm. first enter polyamory. And that deconstruction looks like um, really working through what does sex mean in my heart? What does sex mean in my head? What does sex mean in my body? And can I reconcile all of those things so that I'm at peace with the idea of sex being with more than one people? So that's step one is like, am I cool with this in all of me? <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And it's a spectrum, just like anything else. There's no real binaries. Uh, some people are super, super polyamorous um, in different phases of their lives, but then it goes away. Um, so maybe they're, they're dating around a ton. They're very, very single, and they're just like on the prowl, and their biology is telling them search, 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 and that's like their age of what they're doing. But then maybe they find someone that's just a wonderful partner and they are less inclined to be so poly and they really want to procreate, create a family, put down some roots and, and do that thing with that person. 
and they become less polyamorous at that point. But then maybe life settles into a routine and they they start feeling again that urge to search and have fun and explore. Um, so it's not like you pick one thing and that's who you are all the time. It's okay for you to ebb and flow in that spectrum the same way as anything else. So I have this question's probably going to sound really fucked up because the way I'm going to say it is, so how do you know if you're polyamorous or if you're just tomcatting around or whoring around or slutting around or just having sex with a bunch of people? Like, where's the, where's that, dis the, the, the decision? Like, cause poly does that not indicate that it's more than one person at a time? Or is it just that, you, like, I'm thinking like in polyamorous relationships, you've got two or more three or more people and they are together. But you're really just saying that anybody who's not in a relationship who chooses non-monogamy is technically polyamorous. No, technically they're non-monogamous. Non-monogamous. And yes. that's not the same thing. Okay. So non-monogamous again is our big giant umbrella. And right. anyone can be whoring around to be non-monogamous. Right. And I'm because not trying to slut shame anybody. I didn't correct. I didn't mean that in any way disrespectfully. Correct. So underneath the non-monogamy umbrella, you have two sections, which is ethical and non-ethical. So non-ethical is cheating. Yes. Okay. So non-ethical would be cheating. Non-ethical would be having sex with lots of people and not sharing a positive STI status. Um, non-ethical would be um, sex trafficking. Oh, well, sure. um, yeah. <laughs> so like there's <laughs> lots of non-ethicals. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a that's a, a variety under this umbrella of non-monogamy and then the other side of that ethically is polyamorous where you can actually fall in love with more than one person you can actually spend a lifetime with more than one person um there's different uh what is like configurations so there's the v where there's one person that's polyamorous and then two people on either ends of the v who are monogamous with that one person that's polyamorous. But not with uh, each other. That would be a triangle. Okay, all right. A triangle would be a triad where all three have individual relationships with each other separately, and they also have a closed relationship as a family, as a, a, mm -hmm. love, a group of lovers. Um, there's lots of different varieties. There's a polycule where there's more than three. Um, Gosh, there's so many. So if you if you were to look up configurations of polyamory, there's lots of diagrams with dots and lines. Um, um, I'm learning so much today. <laughs> good, yay! Uh, but the important thing is communication because if someone is okay with whoring around, as we call it, and just just having lots of sex, um, that's okay. It can be ethical as long as you. Are saying to that person that you meet on a dating app like I'm interested in casual sex these are my STI panels within the last six months I want you to get them you you show me yours and then I will make an informed decision about if I want to have sex with you and we can just be fuck buddies and that's okay so it's similar to how you would negotiate like being a rock climbing buddy like hey can you belay me are you trained to belay me so that I know that I'm safe when I'm up on the rock wall? I am trained. This was the date that I did the training at the rock wall place and I have my own gear. Do you have your own gear? So you're negotiating in the same way. It just happens to be about your body and sex as opposed to rock climbing buddies. 
I really like that you use that one because I understand it. I have been rock climbing. Right? <laughs> I mean, not lucidly, obviously. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a skill set. Like, you got to know what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, actually, I did um, uh, rappelling. I never climbed. I just, I just come down. Well, that's fun. Yeah. And, but yeah, it was the same thing. You've got to make sure there was something that you said and I, and I had another question about it, but, um, we should move on while I think about it. Cause this gets awkward when people are listening to me go, um, what was that question again? <laughs> Dang it. It was a good one. I needed a clarification on something and I can't remember what it was now, but you know, when I'll remember it, when I'm listening back to edit it and then I'll be like, Oh damn, that was that question I wanted to ask. <laughs> Oh, 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 it was something about, that's what it was. The STI panel. How easy is it to get that done? Where do you get it done and how much does it cost? Woo, I love that you asked that question. Uh, in Indianapolis, we have a clinic. It's called the Bellflower Clinic and it's 20 bucks. It is super easy. You call the morning that you would like an appointment and they usually get you in that day. You show up, even with COVID, you show up wearing a mask and, um, pay them $20 and they give you all the things. So they take your blood, they hand you the swabs, and then you go into the bathroom and you swab all the holes. Um, and then you hand them the swabs and in a week you have results. Wow. Super Did, easy. Never even considered how far that would go. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so you can have, um, oh, see now I'm gonna fail at like all the STI stuff, but there will be a swab in your throat. That one definitely checks for chlamydia. I'm not sure what else. Um, there will be a swab in the vagina. Uh, that one checks for all the stuff. There will be a swab in the anus if you partake in anal sex. Um, so that's like an optional. Right. Um, and then they will draw blood for um, HIV and other stuff. So yeah. I wonder where else, like if you're outside of Indiana or if you're outside of where you are specifically, I wonder if it's that easy. Cause even the other day we were talking about COVID. I'm like, where do you even go to get a COVID test? Like, yeah. I can't answer that. I don't know where to get a COVID I know. test. Everybody's uh, like, go get tested. I'm like, where? <laughs> I can, I can double check about Planned Parenthood. I am pretty sure you can get it done at Planned Parenthood. I don't think it's 20 bucks. I think you actually run your insurance, but most- yeah, but I wonder like how often you could do that and your insurance to keep paying for it. Right. I do it every three months at Bellflower and it's super affordable. You just call on the phone to get your results 10 days later. And then I just like press the record button on my phone so that I have a little audio clip to send partners and they have my data. That's amazing. Very ethical. Never even thought about that. I mean, it's but, easy peasy really. Yeah. I have uh, a friend who wound up getting herpes from her husband and I, she is hundred percent sure that he knew ahead of time that he had it and they were married a very short period of time because right after he gave her herpes, she's like, okay, goodbye. Um, very short period of time. And she's pretty sure that his mom knew too. That's why she was forcing them, you know, like really pressuring them to get married like really fast. Uh, and to this day, I'm just like, that's shitty. So that is one that is not covered in the STI panel. Um, really? Herpes. Correct. Is, isn't that like the most popular Sexually yeah, so, transmitted infection right now? Mm, I don't know about sexually transmitted infection, but I know that 80% of the population has herpes 1, which is the mouth cold sores yeah. kind of thing. And um, it's basically a harmless virus unless you're pregnant. Um, 
herpes two is 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 harmful if you're pregnant. So uh, most of the clinics have gotten rid of the herpes two test because the false positive rate was so high that it was causing um, like shame and anger issues. and panic. <laughs> yes, shame, fear, and panic um, with the wrong result for many, many people. Um, also, since so many people in the population have herpes one, when you get a herpes two test, sometimes It'll it's, actually, it. it's actually identifying herpes one oh. because they're so closely related. So then you find out, oh my gosh, I have genital herpes? No, you have oral herpes and you've had oral herpes your whole life. You just didn't know it. So right. you have this. So most places are not doing it anymore. And for yeah, anyone, isn't, isn't chickenpox a herpes? Yes. Varicella. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so is shingles. So it's in, it's all in the same, the same family. And same virus. Yeah. It's the same, same family of virus. And it's not, it's not something that really is going to do that. Like herpes two, you need to worry about herpes. Herpes one is not something you really need to worry about. Um, but you should disclose it before you kiss someone. You should right. disclose it before you have unprotected oral sex. Like, you should disclose those things. Right. I mean, I'm just thinking, like, pretty much everybody, anybody who's ever have a, had a cold sore in your life, you have herpes yeah. 1. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, we can call it a fever blister all we want. It's cold sore. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. And there's no shame in having it. Um, it's uncomfortable. And if if yeah. you wish to not have outbreaks, there are medications you can take for maintenance to make it not show up. Um, but it's something that is ethically your responsibility to disclose to your partners. Yeah. Well, I think pretty much everybody would. I don't even think anybody thinks about that. I mean, if right. you have genital herpes, then yeah, right. you better freaking say something. But I don't think anybody even thinks about the, the cold sore herpes. Right. It's funny when I like don't kiss someone first and I'm like, oh, before we do that, we got to have a conversation. <laughs> Everybody's like, what? What? Yeah, <laughs> I'm wait, like, well, wait. you should know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Is there anything else that you want to share with us? Uh, I think I'd like to share that there are no binaries. So much of our society is based on this idea of binaries. Are you male or are you female? Are you um, high sex drive? Are you low sex drive? Um, are you um, like a touchy feely person or not? You know, like this, this super binary world that is constant. It's all around us. And you don't even see it until someone says, hey, that's a binary and binaries don't exist. Hey, that's a binary and binaries don't exist. And I want to just make that part of this conversation because when we get rid of binaries, we include everyone. And when we get rid of binaries, we create space for diversity in a different way. And it's really important to me that our world become more diverse and more open to the spectrum of beauty that is out there. So for, forgive me if I misunderstood you or if that's exactly what you meant. So you're saying there is no male or female? Correct. Okay. Correct. So it's just how you identify. Exactly. So um, if you look up, um, like, if you look up the different formations of the genitals, mm -hmm. you will find unbelievably diff like different configurations and sizes. Um, everywhere from a micro penis to the vulva to a massive penis, you know, like, yeah, there's just and those are just the biology, the biological sig signals, signifiers that we can see on the outside. 
So then you add in like, oh, this person with the penis also has ovaries inside that no one could see. What? And oh, this person with a vulva actually doesn't have fallopian tubes, you know? So like this, this um, binary of gender reveal stuff when people are pregnant is not a thing. <laughs> you can only see the outside of a person, but you can't actually tell what hormones are at what levels inside of a person. Um, I mean, that's why some women have, have mustaches and some women are just more hairy than other women. Um, so it's just, yeah, no binaries. Everyone fits and our biological markers on the outside are just um, indicators and we get to figure out who we are. That's cool. That makes sense. I mean, I, I have, when I do my talks, I say I'm, I'm a um, heterosexual, cisgendered heterosexual female who's only been in heterosexual relationships. I think I messed that up. But anyway, I think you get the point. Absolutely. So I will, I'm going to talk about sex, but most of it's going to come from my perspective because that's the only perspective I have. And I will try to be inclusive and I will try to word things that'll make people more comfortable. But if I make a mistake, you know, take what you can from this. Yes. And, and try not to worry about the language. Like I'm doing my best. Yes. But I cannot call myself a person who bleeds or a person who gives birth or a person who anything. I'm a woman. I've always been a woman and I don't want to be erased. <laughs> and yes. then, and then, but I don't take away anybody else's feelings on who they are. Right. And so if you claim the word woman and it's yours, then be a woman. Absolutely. But if someone feels marginalized by that word, then everyone needs to be willing to hear what they want to be called instead and honor and respect them. As opposed to saying, you don't fit on this binary scale. You're weird. You're different. You're broken. And that's what I want to get rid of. Is like, if you don't fit on the binaries of one end or the other, you're not weird. You're not broken. You're not different. Right. You are normal. Everyone fits on that spectrum somewhere. And if we can stop like teaching children that these are the two options you have to fit in one, then the whole projector or the whole trajectory of our human race is going to be happier and more accepted and feel loved. So right. that's, that's my, what I want to add at the end. <laughs> as, as well, they should be. Yeah. I, I hate it when you like, when not you uh, in general, if someone makes a stand about something, you're everybody automatically assumes that you're against something else. And it's like, nope, I'm making this stand for me. And I absolutely believe that you have a right to be who you are. And I don't think that transgender women are not women. I think they are women. So yeah. why can't we both be women? And then why is everybody yelling at me? Because I'm, I, 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 how come I can't be what I want to be because it makes somebody else feel bad about who they are. Exactly. That's right. kind of, I think I finally been able to verbalize what's been frustrating me lately. Woo. Anyway. <laughs> I love it. I don't want anybody else to, you know, feel that you're allowed to be whoever you want to be for me. Exactly. For, come and you're as allowed you are. to love whoever you want to love and right. you're allowed to love however you want to love as long as it's consensual and mutually yep. beneficial. I have said this before and I will say it again and I know it might make the Christian community angry, but I am 1000% sure that God did not create these amazing, fantastic, physically uh, 
uh, emotionally attachive orgasmic bodies and then said there's only one way to enjoy it agree yes there's just and if you don't believe in god then i don't think the universe said it either there's no way that we have this <laughs> capacity to love and this capacity to nurture and this capacity to feel and like and seven different are. places to orgasm from and they said missionary style only right only so you can have babies that's not right no no 100 percent don't believe that at all we were born sexual creatures. We die sexual creatures. Our bodies are our playgrounds. Yeah. Well, I've said this before, and I will say it probably a million other times. I had my first orgasm at age four, and it had nothing to do with sex. Yeah. So yeah, our capacity to enjoy orgasm has nothing to do with any, anything other than that little teeny tiny clitoris that God put there and said, touch that. It's on the outside. <laughs> 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 so you have children, correct? I do. I'm a mom to two girls. I have three girls. Ugh, there's so much work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, yeah, I I don't parent like their girls. That's for sure. I don't think I ever did either. Uh, there was a lot of soccer and football, not football, but soccer and um, karate and. All kinds of things. But then my youngest turned out to be the pretty, prettiest little dancer. So <laughs> not at all like her mother at all. Um, so how do you explain a polyamorous lifestyle to children? The interesting thing about this is that my kids have grown up always knowing it. And so it's their norm. Uh, and we always explained it as this is someone we love. And so that can be open to as many people that you love as possible. Um, and we only introduce our kids to people that we have been seeing for quite a long time. Someone who has been with us long enough to show us they're crazy. And for us to be able to assess if they're crazy is something that we would like our kids to be exposed to. Um, because everybody has crazy, right? So. True. <laughs> It takes it takes a little time for all the the sparkly new relationship energy to wear off and uh, the true colors to come out. So uh, we just explain it to kids as uh, this is someone we love. And for example, like with my kids, I have the Marco Polo app on my phone to video chat with uh, my boyfriends and we share it because of the pandemic. Uh, they get a chance to Marco Polo with their aunts and their grandparents and there's no way to password protect uh, conversations on Marco Polo. So we just have a respectful relationship where I have set the boundary that if the person appears to have facial hair, uh, then that is a boyfriend <laughs> and that's someone I love. And that is my personal private business and they're not supposed to enter those conversations. Um, honestly, I am concerned for when they enter uh, grades, where relationships become part of something kids talk about because very quickly they'll probably realize that the norm is not for their mom to have boyfriends and girlfriends um, in a plural sense. So I think that that will change when we get to that point. But right now I'm at a place where I just explain it as this is someone I love. I have lots of people I love. I don't think that's that much different than any single mom two dates now that I'm yeah. thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking more on if you had uh, 
what do you call it, like a triangle where everybody was together. I wonder how they explain, you know, one mommy and two daddies or how I, I just, I was just curious, nosy, so when, I guess I would say. a poly family, like when we lived together as a poly family, um, it was mom, second mom, and dad. Okay. Um, and now that we are no longer in a household altogether, they have dropped the second. So it's mom, mom, and dad. Um, so just because we're in two separate houses now, that's easier to do. Um, and then for a very long time, they were calling second mom by her, her name. And that's how she preferred to be addressed. Um, because she didn't quite feel like their mom yet. It took her a while to um, take on that responsibility and that uh, title. So I feel like for like a live-in polycule kind of situation, it will be different for every, every setting about what kind of title speaks to you, what kind of, um, what kind of adoration do you want in your title. Um, and then it becomes about surrounding your children with other non-traditional families as much as you intentionally can. Because if your kids have friends who have mom-mom or mama and mom, if your kids have friends who have a dad-dad, um, it's just much less different than what your life is. Um, they just see it as variety, basically. That makes sense. That makes total sense. I mean, because if you've got two dads or two moms, um, and then, I mean, for a lot of kids now, they've got a, a mom and a stepmom and a dad and a stepmom. They're just not all in the same house. So I almost feel like unless somebody comes over to your house and sees the relationship, the, the terminology probably won't be that confusing for most kids anymore. Yep. It's a very changing time where diversity is more of the norm. And I'm hoping that that continues to be the case so that when my kids are older and they're like, yeah, mom's going to go see her boyfriend in New York City and her boyfriend in Phoenix. And, you know, like eventually their friends put all of those, those dots together. Um, they won't think it's so weird. Right. Well, that's cool. Thanks so much for answering that. I know in my, I guess it was just really a nosy question. <laughs> no, I think it's useful, especially, especially with the idea that um, we need to share with our kids like who is an adult that you trust versus who is an adult that you wouldn't trust and so for us that this is someone i love falls in the this is someone i trust category um where the neighbor next door who i say do not go into his house they understand that means like that's not someone you trust that's not someone that you love so there's sort of like a delineation but it's not graphic for young kids right well that's just general safety anyway, that you exactly. should be able to have those conversations with your kids. Yes. Okay. So I like to end all of my podcasts with a fun little trivia thing. Um, this is a game called things they don't teach you in school, a crazy mix of fun facts, random trivia, and totally useless knowledge. So our weird sex question of the week, since we're talking about polyamory, who regrets being unfaithful the most? And we know that's not part of polyamory. That's part of non-ethical, non-monogamy. Yes. yes. We're going to be learning new words today. Woo. Who regrets being unfaithful most, men or women? Men? No, it's women. I don't know. We internalize all this crap. Oh. You know? <laughs> 
but the guys are just like, well, it's your fault anyway. I, I don't know what they're thinking. I've never been, knock on wood, and I'm knocking on my forehead at this point, uh, in a relationship where either I or my partner cheated. So good, good. Pretty, I've been pretty lucky in that way. Probably because God knows I'm mentally unstable and it wouldn't end well. <laughs> oh and my God. Partner. <laughs> I literally just realized that that's a lie because my ex-husband did cheat on me. <laughs> I almost shot him. <laughs> oh, I, was, wow. I didn't really, there were no bullets, but I did hold the gun and think to myself, I'm going to beat this motherfucker with it. <laughs> How in the world did I forget that? Blocked it out. No, I actually think it's because I just didn't care that much. I was like, oh, thank God we can get a divorce now. I think that's really where the where our relationship was at that point. I was just like, oh, yay. I'm pissed, but thank you. Thank you. I can get out now. Because, <laughs> you know, good little Christian girl, so I couldn't get a divorce without a good reason. All right. So how can people find you? I'm on Facebook. My Facebook group is Let's Talk About Sex Ed with Miss Ashley. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> All right. Um, you can find me on Instagram at standupcomedysexed. You can also find me at standupcomedysexed.com. And I just created my own extra website called RaylenTaskowski.com. So you can hear about both of my talks instead of just the comedy one. And I set up a Facebook group just for this podcast so you can participate in polls, ask questions, politely share an alternate point of view, uh, and generally let us know what you think of this episode and any other episodes. So you can search Stand Up Comedy Sex Ed Podcast on Facebook. Please subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends because the more we talk about sex, the better it will be for everybody. Thank you so much for coming on my show, Ashley. I hope you had a good time. I had fun. And I definitely learned a lot from you. So I appreciate you taking the time to educate us. It was my pleasure. I, I want to talk about this more. I love this stuff. No, I, I get that. So I'm so excited. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you.